Hello and welcome. I'm Dr. Kernan Mannion, and you're listening to Physician Interrupted. This is part one of a series of posts and podcasts that we're doing on the North Carolina auditors conducting a performance audit of the North Carolina Medical Board. This piece is entitled, The North Carolina Medical Board Completely Thwarted Authorized State Performance Audit. This is part one. North Carolina Medical Board appears to be running its own licensing, investigations, and hearings operation with completely no oversight and no assurance it is abiding by federal and state law. Now, by the way, this is a somewhat longish post, so I did a little skinny here that you'll be able to get the gist from, and you can always come back to your email or on Substack and read the whole shebang. I was wondering how long it would take the North Carolina auditor to conduct a performance audit of NCMB, the North Carolina Medical Board, the state's legislatively empowered medical licensing board. Well, she just did. But that's not entirely true. She just didn't. You see, North Carolina Medical Board refused to cooperate. The big takeaway is this. It's not just what she found. It's what she was prevented from finding, how they're preventing her, and why. And I don't have the why answer, but I've got some pretty likely hypotheses. She just posted her report about a week ago, and wowzer, it's pretty disturbing. You see, they blocked her from seeing more than 95% of their records and basically told her she'd have to get a search warrant from the state legislature in North Carolina, the General Assembly. Now, here's the skinny. In this piece, North Carolina auditor audits refusing to be audited NCMB. There's a significant decade-old backstory that's created some bad blood between the board and the auditor. The bad blood's coming from the executive director of the board who doesn't like how she outed them in their failure to oversee the North Carolina Physicians Health Program and its wholesale violation of the due process rights of 1,140 physicians and then revealed that they, the North Carolina Medical Board itself, also had no oversight. Even more so than that NCPHP audit, this NCMB audit, and refusal is a profoundly significant event. What Miss Wood and her team were looking at, she's coming in manifestly because there's a few notable North Carolina docs who've had some bad publicity regarding their behavior. The allegations are diverse, boundary violations, inappropriate prescribing, etc., Whether factually valid or not, they're sensational, and I also know how the attention-seeking press runs on sensation, dramatizing stories that may alter their actual reality, and how these often result in character defamation and career destruction. For some of these news-tainment outlets, that's the whole idea, not a byproduct. 
Nevertheless, these physician licensees have apparently, per the auditor, gotten away with either no board investigation or a gloss-over investigation, resulting in minimal punishment. She's on their case because she feels NCMB is being lax in its discipline and unequal in its punishment as well. I'm not convinced that that's the only or perhaps even main reason why she's there. I think she's savvy and wily, and I admire her for her persistent commitment to her public service mission, unpopular though it may be amongst those she's called out. In a way, she's really an internal whistleblower. NCMB blocks the audit. NCMB essentially blocked the audit by refusing to give her access to the requisite investigative and deliberative records that she needed to ensure that NCMB's got some modicum of a protocol and that they're actually conducting their case investigations and disciplinary charges not only fairly, but in full compliance with state and federal law. NCMB says the law protects that investigative information from oversight by anybody except whom NCMB gives access to. She says she's the auditor, and the auditor statute empowers her to demand that everyone open up when she conducts an audit. NCMB then offers about four reasons why they're resisting. She not only addresses those concerns, but she also calls out in numerous places NCMB Executive Director Henderson's untrue assertions, straightforwardly stating that his response to this or that particular issue was knowingly untrue and that his elaborate responses were frequently a distortion and only served to obscure the facts. She was diplomatic enough to stop short of calling him a liar. You'll see her confrontative responses peppered throughout the steamy report, and I've posted a link to it elsewhere. I think she's right on all counts. And NCMB is just buying time to stall so that they can get her off their case while they try to purge their Gestapo files. Do they have things to hide? My hunch, she knows they're a bully operation, a privatized parajudicial system, a career hit job squad, and an inside dealer on PHP referrals. She knows that their acceptance of NCPHP's due process-deprived reports and NCMB's resultant discipline and license sanction was itself a denial of due process, which NCMB failed to take ownership of and mitigate and address. Well, they did sort of address it in a rather crafty way. See our section a little bit below here, out of the blue. She also knows there's a lot at stake. I'm not sure she knows that there may be powers beyond the immediate board that don't want her snooping around and screwing with their territory. Why she's got a right to audit NCMB. She's the state equivalent of the DOJ, the Department of Justice, and the IRS combined, when you get right down to it. When she says, open up, I want to see XYZ, My read of the North Carolina Auditor Statute, of course written back in a time when legislators had integrity and believed that everyone was equal under the law, suggests that you either say, yes ma'am, here's XYZ, what else would you like to have, 
or you'll be charged with criminal obstruction charge. NCMB seems to be banking on their numerous buds in the legislature. And they too, there at the legislature, may not want this operation opened up either, for various reasons. So they're liable to stab her in the back, leave her standing out cold, and support NCMB on this legal authority question. Very bad decision, if that's what they do. But in what she's uncovering is potentially bad stuff, really bad stuff, that could ultimately be quite costly to the state. If the state recognized the gift she's giving them, namely showing that NCMB acted without oversight, well, then the state could save a lot of money and retain some shred of integrity. But the legislature may be thinking short-term, buddy-buddy, look out for each other. There's a good chance if they lock her out, a federal body could come in, and I suspect there's no saying no to them. Unless, of course, NCMB manages to pull strings in high places and get their preferred people assigned to the case, the pool of which seems to be considerable. Standoff. Why NCMB slamming the door on the auditor is important. For one, it reveals whether or not the state truly wants an ethical, impartial auditor to hold state agencies accountable. The law empowering the auditor's work seems explicitly clear in its intent to keep the state above board. For another, if they succeed in keeping her out, there will be great suspicion that this board, and perhaps other boards and other agencies, are corrupt inside dealers, and this state government overall is not to be trusted. And third, amongst numerous others, keeping the auditor out could compel one or more federal agencies to come in simply on the basis of an absence of requisite state oversight of licensing boards and concerns about mounting civil rights violations. And I suspect this is a group you don't want snooping around, especially if you might be running a RICO. Personally, I think it'd be a huge mistake for the legislature to shun her and to protect NCMB. Very short-lived gain for the buddy buddies. Huge long-term risk for the state. Overview of critical components that she finds so far. But as they won't give her access to the protocol and the investigative files and the case deliberations, namely how they made the decisions they did, and perhaps most importantly, make clear to her the reasoning behind those dispositions, they're telling her they won't budge and that she's got to go to the legislature, the writer of the original laws, to get that body's thoughtful order. So she's going. I'd suggest there might be some other avenues that could be more effective. But here's what she's learned, even with NCMB's near-total blockade. There's a mind-boggling number of NCMB investigations, and I put that in quotes, investigations annually. But there's a capricious approach and no discernible internal oversight, namely controls in auditor speak. 
there's no protocol for the workflow, the triage of complaints to then investigation by their Watergate plumber team, and then to issuing formal charges to so-called informal resolution agreement, to then the oh-so-fair public hearing of licensees who are then presented for trial in virtually cuffs and orange jumpsuit. She finds NCMB repeatedly breaks the law in about a third of the cases it investigates by extending the allowed investigation and thus the gentlemanly agreed non-practice agreement duration beyond the six months that is set by the North Carolina legislature while not informing the licensee as required by the law of the rationale for the extension, just doing it willy-nilly. If all you want and need right now is just that skinny, that's it. Uh, but you are, I hope, wanting to, you're going to want to come back and read the whole shebang because it's got a lot of information, especially including the footnotes. So that's the end of the skinny. We'll uh, pause there while you just kind of let yourself uh, slink away. First, a little backstory on this NCMB performance audit. The groundbreaking 2014 North Carolina Physician Health Program audit. You may recall that it was in 2014 that North Carolina State Auditor Beth Wood, fortunately an elected physician, conducted a comprehensive performance audit of the North Carolina Physicians Health Program known as NCPHP. And that's NCMB's, the North Carolina Medical Board's, exclusively contracted, corporately unlicensed, incontestable state psychiatrist conducting so-called peer review on command of the North Carolina Medical Board. In response to licensee complaints, particularly spearheaded by Dr. Jesse Kavanaugh, Jr., former vice chair of psychiatry at Duke, and three other senior psychiatric colleagues, NCOSA, the State Auditor's Agency, conducted a comprehensive review of NCPHP's conduct of its so-called peer review program. Dr. Kavanaugh and his colleagues were alarmed that NCPHP seemed to be systematically misdiagnosing the physicians they referred for treatment with mental illness and substance abuse diagnoses that they didn't have sentencing them to costly assessments at centers in, in NCPHP's and NCMB's preferred network, and then following on that virtually interminable treatment and monitoring exclusively contingent on NCPHP's determination. While not even delving into the camouflaged identity of this agency and the actual involuntary psychiatric exams it was conducting, it found that NCPHP had systematically, as a matter of practice, denied all 1,140 physicians it had peer-reviewed over the preceding decade denied due process. It found that NCPHP refused to provide them their diagnostic evaluation reports, claiming that they were state-privileged, and that NCPHP thus claimed that its diagnostic finding was infallible and could not, apparently, by some magically invented law, 
be challenged by independent expert opinion. Sending people to exorbitantly costly private centers for special assessments at diverse preferred programs across the country, the auditor found that there existed no criteria to add a facility to such a preferred program list. Such preferred programs really are a misnomer. They're actually the only programs NCMB accepts for the assessments and treatment recommended, quote-unquote, by its officially sanctioned state psychiatrist, NCPHB. It concluded that there appeared to be a financial conflict of interest. The NCPHP follow-up audit. She went back about five years later and did a follow-up audit and produced a caricature of a report that resembled what cops hear when a domestic violence victim tries to cancel their 911 call. Oh, no, officer, it was a mistake. He's not really beating me up. Everything's fine. Truly, section after section consisting of one or two-sentence paragraphs saying, just amazing. Everything's fine. In all my years as auditor, I've never seen such a fraudulent outfit so thoroughly clean up their books or act or performance. Oh, the state-sanctioned peer review operation. When I and colleagues read it, it sounded like more of a, really, I'm being well taken care of so far, ransom note coming from someone who was being held hostage at gunpoint. Don't you worry. They told me they'll let me go home soon. So whatever you do, don't make a big scene and send in the police to get me. They told me very clearly there's no need to do that. So as long as we let the whole thing go away, we can just kind of bring this thing to a close. That's what it felt like. Out of the blue, a surprise North Carolina law change regarding NCPHP no longer doing peer review. The General Assembly designates NCPHP as the official state psychiatrist in power to interrogate any licensee it wishes. Now, of course, under its banner of protecting the public, which would mean that a priori, NCMB would then do well to retroactively, unilaterally, use their crack investigations and legal teams to document their suspicion that the licensee they're referring to NCPHP for forensic psychiatric interrogation meets sufficient criteria that can pass muster as unsafe or at least as potentially unsafe. You can just never be sure, you know, so you better catch them while they're just potentially unsafe before they do that damage. Their reasoning in this caper seems to have been something along these lines. As long as we can give the appearance of us erudite people, and I think they're really implying those stethoscope-bearing white-coated people who are the official board, having seemingly reasonable concerns about a doc's performance of the practice of medicine and its potential adverse impact on patient care will be good. And by good, they mean we can't be sued for our reasonability. And via this capricious imperial determination, just about anything could be declared unsafe and potentially a danger to patient care. And thus, 
The doctor is a nutcase and a danger to society and needs to be carted off to NCPHP and then on to Kansas or somewhere else for their famous four-day assessment to confirm NCPHP's diagnosis. Soon after the audit, the language of which seemed to be rather tortured so as not to create a bonfire of litigation, that is, if the lawyer community supposedly representing physicians' rights even gave a damn enough to read and understand the report, parties in the NCMB, NCPHP, and NCMS of the North Carolina Medical Society cabal had apparently secretly gone to the North Carolina General Assembly, North Carolina's legislature, which seems to operate on the insider-who-you-know principle, and they actually changed the Medical Practice Act, the law governing the Board of Medicine. Specifically, they changed NCGS, North Carolina General Statute 90-21.22, to remove any reference to NCPHP or anybody doing peer review. Just gone and to newly give NCPHP the exact powers it had already been exercising illegally previously. No accountability or mitigation for the decades of wrongdoing and wrecked careers under its faux peer review identity. Surely that would be too cumbersome, not to mention costly. Let's just give them the powers that NCMB and NCMS want them to have, official, infallible psychiatrist of the medical board of the state of North Carolina. All diagnoses final and incontestable. Boom. Any treatment intervention they, in their medical and psychiatric wisdom, deemed warranted, including the taking of any bodily tissues they deem needed for examination, and employing any interrogation technique they find necessary to get to the bottom of things, is hereby permissible. And since this is no longer peer review, but a bona fide medical procedure done by a white-coated physician accompanied by a social worker, no need for that pesky due process provision anymore. So gone. No wonder everything's fine in this audit. They rewrote the law to retroactively legalize the crime. Now that's creative. I and a colleague followed that bill, and it was buried in a fire redistricting bill before it became law, and saw both its defects and its grave dangers to physician licensees. And we tried to alert the head of the Senate and others to its fundamental flaws, but were completely ignored. And our arguments were pretty clear. Its defects are quite glaring and not based on some finer interpretation of law. It's really an act of definitional ledger domain, magic, suddenly removing any reference to NCPHP's role in peer review and newly anointing it as the official state psychiatrist while removing any reference to requisite due process. And it made our jaws drop. One would even wonder if it's enforceable, it's so flawed. You would think that Bill's might pass through some rudimentary screening process to see whether there might be something that could conflict with other laws, maybe even constitutional protections. You know, somebody saying something like, 
Um, I don't think you can scoop up a professional and send them for involuntary psychiatric examination or authorize an unlicensed medical corporation to send people out of state for brass knuckle interrogation or just biopsy any tissue you want whenever you want to. What's to stop you from ordering a brain biopsy? You know, you guys really ought to reel this back a little bit, don't you think? Just because the revisions came from the medical board and the medical society doesn't mean they actually thought them out or that they're even legit. I mean, guys, this is embarrassing. What would other states think? What about the ACLU? How would this look if it went to the Supreme Court? Did their trade associations, the Federation of State Medical Boards and the Federation of State Physician Health Programs, and their medical societies, the American Medical Association, the American Psychiatric Association, say this looked okay? Really? Surely they've got compliance lawyers that these originator agencies here just don't. Surely. Your thinking would be wrong. NCMB continues its same bullying behavior and declarations of unsafe and dangerous go undeterred. Meanwhile, back at Stasi headquarters, NCPHP's primary funder, NCMB, was continuing to open case files on a veritable crowd of physicians, more than 2,000 investigations a year. That's a hell of a lot of referrals to lawyers holding out their shingles as possessing the undeclared specialty of professional licensed defense. This is really an entire legal industry feeder. Quite the operation, too. And a veritable SWAT team investigation could be initiated by NCMB simply on the basis of an anonymous complaint saying, my doctor was rude to me and he looked bleary-eyed. I think he's on drugs. Those are magic words to this and apparently every other medical board in the country. It's the 911 equivalent of, help, he's beating me, come quick. NCMB gets a knock-knock. It's your old friend, the auditor. So the NC auditor, apparently about a year ago, set out to begin an audit of the purported state agency, and I say purported state agency, NCMB, specifically focusing on its Complaints and Investigations Division and its work product, that is, the 4,432 investigations it undertook growing out of diversely sourced complaints, including perhaps from the board itself under the veil of anonymity, over the preceding two years, 4,432 investigations. One gets the sense that NCMB maintains a seething hatred of NCOSA's Auditor-in-Chief, Beth Wood. She did, after all, stir things up a bit for both NCPHP and NCMB in that 2014 audit. She revealed that not only did NCPHP systematically violate all of its 1,140 board-ordered physicians' due process rights, by denying them access to their evaluation records, they prevented them from challenging the validity of NCPHP's infallible diagnostic assessments and the reasonableness of its draconian recommendations 
for docs to be sent for its exorbitant $10,000 four-day assessment at one of its preferred programs. And she, of course, explored who's overseeing this operation. And she learned that both NCMB and NCMS, the North Carolina Medical Society, were charged with its oversight and had completely failed in that obligation. Basically, all medical licensees in the state of North Carolina had been hijacked for a joyride in a clown car. And she just pointed out that nobody's at the wheel. She also noted in a subsequent audit that same year that NCMB itself, along with most other North Carolina occupational licensing boards, had virtually no governmental oversight. Now, clearly, that might pose some liability problems, especially considering the denial of due process of 1,140 physicians you've evaluated, a significant number of whom you've infallibly declared impaired and needful of your preferred program, specially designed impaired physician rehabilitation program, could be rather costly. So given that that's the sort of keep-it-in-the-family secret that you don't want to blabber about because it could just upset everybody and everything everywhere, especially in their state-sponsored, highly lucrative, impaired physicians program referral pipeline, it's understandable why there might be some bad blood. And that brings us to the current NCMB performance audit. So I put the link into the main document there. What's the auditor's manifest concern? The manifest reason, though she doesn't need one, according to the law empowering the auditor, was that docs who are unprofessional, impaired, or incompetent may be on the loose in North Carolina, threatening the safety of the public and concern that NCMB isn't doing enough to address it. Are their investigations sufficiently prompt and impartial? She offered a rather sensational rationale for this audit's urgency, which she supported by spicing her report with several attention-grabbing cases and alleging that NCMB didn't investigate and discipline them sufficiently, if at all. And she questioned if there's a pattern of intentional non-investigation of some docs, say those who might have institutional or political pull, while some other poor schmuck docs investigated for the same or lesser concerns were being publicly flogged by the board's disciplinarians and its spectator-pleasing press. You see, the storyline Drunk, white-coated, loose-zippered predator docks on the loose is a classic script, pulled out when needed to grab attention. It's borrowed almost verbatim from the omnipresent alarmism of public citizen, calling relentlessly for more discipline of the entire profession of medicine, as you just can't take your eyes off these sorts. Now, whether Miss Wood actually buys this tabloid trash is another matter. But playing to such a moral panic can sure help you get in the door and rouse a we're-going-to-get-to-the-bottom-of-this-right-now response among legislators and the public. I suspect, I hope, 
that what she's really trying to do is just get in the door so she can examine this independent agency's Stasi-like operations, specifically its FBI wannabe Complaints and Investigations Division. What she wants to find out, she wants to get to the heart of their investigation's operation. What's the protocol for how this board receives complaints? How it determines what to investigate? What that investigation consists of? Who on the NCMB staff and who on the NCMB board proper, those docs who are appointed to the board, are involved in that deliberative process? What's the length of the investigation? What gets charged and what doesn't? How is that charge then handled? Is the supposed informal conference really just a form of backroom justice or perhaps injustice? What about the non-practice agreement, the hearing? And she wants to find out if it's a fair process, not slanted in any way, and being done in full compliance with state and federal law. There's a lot at stake here. Why this performance audit of NCMB is so important for physicians and their patients. The main reason, its investigation may expose a pattern of grievous wrongdoing that has harmed licensees and patients and the profession of medicine and the reputation of the state itself. And uncovering that wrongdoing is necessary to hold offenders accountable and to begin the process of restoring the system so that it is in compliance with law and with best practices of regulatory agencies. You see, the reality is that when you give any group of humans power over other humans, and you don't put some sort of a leash on those power distributors, the probability is, oh, about 100% that those free-roaming regulators will, A, turn into tyrants, and B, default toward using their power and the commonwealth they oversee for their own interest. Truly, it's human behavior. And the more embedded they become, the more in bed they get with other powers. And they become like a devouring malignancy on the whole body. Now, I know it sounds so quaintly simplistic, invoking the founding fathers, but the bottom line is, You either have checks and balances, or you have no checks and imbalances. When an occupational licensing agency, like a medical board, founded on the basic premise that we as a people want to make sure citizens get qualified medical care from duly trained persons, not from charlatans, that's the original premise of medical boards, So when an occupational licensing board claims that it governs all things medical and ethical and then is given legal machine guns to shoot anyone who challenges their infallibility, well, bad things can happen. And when that agency then insulates itself, not only from litigation, but even from independent examination by the state that empowered it, then, people, you've got big problems. You've got a Frankenstein that doesn't like the limitations its creators put on it. You know, it's very similar to the challenge we face as a country with intelligence agencies. We empower them. 
We let them do secret and nasty stuff in the name of the good of the country. And then they go beyond the bounds of legitimate nasty. They use their secrecy and power to strong-arm the entities that empowered them. And they then become a privatized hit squad, hireable by the highest bidder. Ultimately, this dynamic is self-destructive to any social system but not before it does a hell of a lot of damage. It's like an anaerobic infection, one that exists in an oxygen-free environment. The most effective antidote is fresh, oxygen-rich air and sunlight. These gone-deranged operations can't survive that kind of exposure, and exposure is the only therapy and assured ongoing oversight and accountability is the only antidote. Shutting out the state overseer of last resort, in this case NCMB's only overseer, is like a corporation firing its compliance and audit teams because they spoke their truth about potential wrongdoing. Any company that does that is just about screaming that it's dying from an anaerobic infection. And a state medical licensing board that, as a matter of course, over years, ignores licensee and citizen detailed complaints and medical professional expert documented concerns about its potentially illegal and endangering operations and then strives to shut out the very last state governmental person capable of digging deeper into these concerns on behalf of the public's and the state's good, has become an operation that's gone rogue, an uncaged Frankenstein, and must be subdued. Why this standoff itself is so important is because it gives us a clear understanding of why docs can never win. It's such a lopsided game. Any licensee is easy pickings for this system. And both the audit itself and the arguments accompanying this showdown give us a great opportunity to dig deeper and examine a trove of critically important physicians' rights issues. So next up, over the next several articles and podcasts, which we're dividing this large issue into, we'll take a whole big picture, the whole audit crisis, and we'll pick it apart piece by piece. We'll do a drill down on NCMB's refusal to cooperate and the huge significance of that standoff. We'll explore why it's not only in North Carolina doc's interest, but all licensed medical professionals in and outside of North Carolina for NCOSA, the auditor, to conduct this audit to its full completion. We'll consider some alternate ways that she might achieve her desired endpoint and perhaps sidestep this, what looms to be, North Carolina constitutional crisis. We'll highlight what she's learned so far, despite NCMB's near-total shutout. We'll, inst- we'll explore the structural anatomy of this medical board and medical boards in general, and the dangerous phenomenon of non-overseen board and PHP weaponization. 
and will float some win-win solutions. Imagine, approaches that could help protect physicians' rights while also meeting the legitimate overarching mission of the medical board. So, hope you'll stay tuned, because this is about every doc practicing today, not just in North Carolina, but throughout the country. Now, I know it's been a head full, and that's exactly why I knew I had to break this auditor NCMB constitutional crisis tome into manageable chunks, and this is just one chunk. Otherwise, you'd be at high risk for hitting your head against the wall, which, alas, I've done repeatedly. And, boy, what a headache. I don't know whether my headache's from the mental strain of trying to wrap my disbelieving mind around their elaborately orchestrated deprivation of rights scheme or just the repetitiveness of my banging my head. And then again, it could just be my NCPHP-diagnosed illness acting up again. Stay tuned. You've been listening to Physician Interrupted. I'm Dr. Kernan Mannion. Thank you so much for reading, tuning in, and we'll see you with the next post very shortly. Take care now.